certainly hasn't been a fabulously exciting experience, um, you know, preparing for this one. But also, I guess, if you look at it from a positive, we've had the opportunity to really, um, I guess, get out of the comfort zone and just see how strong you can be uh, during that time. So kind of got to try and take the positives um, out of the situation in these um, circumstances because, yeah, there's not hasn't been a lot to be positive about for anyone really um, across the world. I think the best part of the Olympic campaign was eventually achieving the fact that, that we had an Olympics. I think um, that it actually came off in the end. I think there was so much doubt about whether it would come off and whether everybody would be safe. And so, yeah, that has certainly given everyone a bit of a spring in their step. And, and that's what really it's all about. It's not about gold medals and BBs. It's really was pulled together to be a, a celebration of the world and sport. So, and they pulled that off, which is great. Welcome to the RMA podcast. host Nicole Bunyan, founder of Running Mums Australia. Each episode, I will be speaking to everyday women who have an inspiring story to tell. We will cover the highs and lows of their own journey, the impact motherhood has had on their life, and how running has inspired them to live wilder, dream bigger, and change the world around them. Thank you for joining us on this new adventure that will hopefully leave an imprint for you to live out your own life inspired to conquer goals you never thought possible. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the RMA podcast. I'm so glad you can join me today. I sit down with RMA Ambassador Anna Croger and myself and the beautiful Lisa Waitman where we talk about all things Olympic Games Tokyo 2020. This was Lisa's fourth Olympic Games where she competed in the marathon event and we wanted to sit down with Lisa and get her take on this experience. The Olympics is a really exciting place to be for an athlete. However, we talked to Lisa about what was different about this Olympic campaign as She trained and competed at the highest level of sport during the COVID-19 pandemic. We talk about how that affected her performance, how that affected her family, how that affected her training and what the experience was like on the ground in Tokyo. I love this story because it just shows to us how amazing Lisa is as an athlete, but also what a beautiful human that she really is. She's an amazing mom, she's a great businesswoman, and she's just an all-round beautiful human. And you will love the insight into this experience that Lisa shares with us today. Before we start the podcast, I just wanted to give you a little snippet of our conversation before we began, where we talked to Lisa from Hotel Quarantine, which is where we recorded our podcast. So uh, it was a little bit of banter and just gives you a little insight into the challenges facing some of our athletes in quarantine at the moment. Then after this little snippet, we'll go straight into the podcast episode. Hello. Hi. Hi. I'm just going to change my view. Yep, now I can see you all. How's it going? How's another late day in uh, quarantine? Oh, yeah. I think a bit, I'm getting a bit over it. <laughs> <laughs> I've just been messaging Liam, actually, because... 
uh, two days ago, he didn't get dinner and he was messaging me because we were on the same floor. And then he was like, did you get dinner today? And then I didn't get lunch today. And I'm like, did you get lunch today? And uh, so we've just been laughing about about whether there's like some phantom stealing the lunches in the corridor. (laughs) Someone's going out there putting a Schubert in the door and stealing everyone's food. Did they they bring it eventually or what happened there? I rang them at um, 20 to 3. I rang them 20 minutes ago and they might bring something, so um yeah they might I don't know how they, they might like wait. oh they Otherwise said that yeah I just, staff. well it's nearly lunch times so, i mean it's nearly dinner time so i said um especially in your world anna so i said i said oh look i don't really need the, like a big meal but if you could send something small um if I'd you really could send it. a burger <laughs> <laughs> so, it's pretty funny but we were having a laugh liam and i because we we're like let's go like how can they send food to every door but then just miss some yeah, and then we're like, crazy. but then there's cameras out there. So if there was a phantom stealing food, then they'd be on camera. So we're like, we're, this is, that this is, is hilarious. games you play in quarantine. <laughs> oh, you got plenty of snacks to keep you uh, exactly. going, I think. A I lot of chocolate. Today. I was like, oh, my gosh, Lisa's going to be rolling home with all that. I know. I, I'll definitely be taking all the freckles and the, and the <laughs> rocky road to uh back it's to more, It's more the caffeine. Like, I'm surprised you're not, like, wired. you <laughs> Because everyone delivers your coffee. I know. Like, oh. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe I am. You tell me by the end. Of <laughs> Before we begin, a message from this week's sponsor, Physiocram Massage Gel. Physiocram has been helping Running Mums Australia to achieve their running goals for years now, and ease those post-training muscular aches and pains. Hurting sucks, and Physiocram has our back. To get your own Physiocram. Head to www.physiocram.com.au. Don't forget, if you're a member of the member program, you can get 20% off with your member code. You can also find Physiocram at your local pharmacy. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the RMA podcast. I'm so excited to be here today with two amazing women, our RMA ambassadors, Lisa Waitman and Anna Croger. And I wanted to have us three on here today because we're all friends and I thought it would make a really interesting conversation if we were all jumping on talking together about Lisa's Olympic, latest Olympic experience in Tokyo 2020, which of course happened in 2021. So hello girls. Thanks for having us Nick. It's great. Great to catch up, especially in quarantine. Yes. So Lisa's joining us from Hotel quarantine in Brisbane and Anna's joining us in Brisbane as well. Unfortunately, they can't see each other other than on a screen or at a window at the moment. Um, How has it been in quarantine at the moment, Lisa, so far? So far, it's been uh, pretty good. We're we're doing really well at the Stanford here and thanks to all of you wonderful girls, I have got enough chocolate, enough coffee and wine to last me probably till the rest of the year so i think i'll be taking some chocolate home to the boys otherwise i'm going to roll out of here uh when it uh when the quarantine ends (laughs) i think i'm actually the only i'm actually the only person not in quarantine because you're quarantined at home in new south wales so i'm nearly one free amongst us (laughs) <laughs> you are. You're living free there in Queensland for now. Let's hope it stays that way for Queensland. All the states seem to be dropping like flies, but we're so good so far in Queensland. I think Tasmania and South Australia are pretty good. Western Australia's 
good at this stage, I think. And Northern Territory is pretty good. So, yeah, it's just us sort of Victoria and uh, New South Wales haven't had a very good track record. But if anyone knows anything about quarantining, it's Lisa Waitman. <laughs> <laughs> I have. I went uh, into, what, this, this would be the sixth or seventh, uh, yeah. yes, experience. And, look, when we dig into it, uh, pretty much the Sapporo week was uh, also in hotel quarantine with day release for a run. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a seasoned campaigner at it now, Nick. Oh, you are. You're so, you're so used to being cooped up. So we will be talking about that because this Olympic campaign has revolved all around COVID-19. So it will be forming a bit of a theme in our podcast, how we navigated that time. Before we get to that, I wanted to ask how the boys are going at the moment down in Melbourne without you there? Uh, they're having a bit of fun together, but I know they're both desperate. I can tell by the look on Locke's face. I know that they're both desperate for me to get home and, uh, of course, me too. Uh, Pete and I are all a bit soppy. We get on FaceTime and he reads to me and we play games like shops and uh, trains via FaceTime, but um, we have been a bit soppy telling each other how many hugs and kisses we're going to give each other when we get home. So I can't wait for that. It's going to be pretty special. But mum has been feeding the boys every day for weeks and weeks now. So what will we do without our mums, hey? <laughs> they are, yeah, they'll have to return to my cooking though. That might be a bit of a negative given how good my mum is at cooking. <laughs> she only lives around the corner, so... I'm sure she can still deliver. Yeah. <laughs> How long have you been apart for now, Lisa? Yeah. Uh, this would be coming up to about eight weeks, I think. So, yeah, yeah. close to 10 by the time I get out on the 24th. It certainly, uh, certainly hasn't been the Olympics that we thought it was going to be. It was expected to be a, a school holiday trip um, up here to Queensland with the family and, you know, enjoying that time together while we did the the heat acclimation and um, just, a you know, a few weeks apart while I went over um, to do the final bit in Cairns and Pete uh, went to school and then and then they were all meant to come to Tokyo and, and be there and, and help me uh, navigate that and, and enjoy the experience. But it certainly hasn't been any of that. Uh, we did a quick exit uh, eight weeks ago uh, to get up to Queensland to avoid the lockdown in Melbourne at the time and ended up finding ourselves in another lockdown a week later um, and, uh, and and missed like everyone on this call who was prepping for Gold Coast Marathon Festival missed that um, another race we missed and then yeah and then we were uh, up in Cairns for quite a number of weeks prepping so certainly hasn't been a fabulously exciting experience um you know preparing for this one but also i guess if you look at it from a positive we've had the opportunity to really um i guess get out of the comfort zone and just see how strong you can be uh during that time so kind of got to try and take the positives um out of the situation in these um circumstances because yeah there's not hasn't been a lot to be positive about for anyone really um across the world yeah how did that affect your training and preparation for this campaign? I think the hardest part, last year we didn't train like marathoners. Uh, we were working and homeschooling Pete. Uh, my work was pretty busy when COVID hit. So uh, we just dropped back into a, a quite a, you know, making sure that we ran for enjoyment and just um, that opportunity to get out for an hour a day in Victoria 
uh, was an opportunity to debrief and just, you know, sort of let go of all the stress and anxiety. So we used running for that, not for performance. Uh, and then it wasn't until later in the year when we thought we had to run a marathon trial um, to confirm a spot that we um, we kind of kicked into gear and thought, wow, we better get training. Um, we better we better move into you know more performance training. Uh, so we took five weeks off and went to Central Victoria with the family and um, and trained uh, together and got fit um, in, a, in a short space of time and. Uh, yeah, and then from there, it was just a series of um, cancellations. So we'd train for one race and then it'd be cancelled. Then we'd train for the next one. We cancelled. Then the marathon trial, um, It although it went ahead, there was only one competitor from the female group in it. So uh, we didn't uh, we didn't head to that. And then uh, Gold Coast Brisbane Festival, which I was desperately wanting to um, be at for obvious reasons to see you girls. I uh, missed that. Uh, and then Gold Coast missed that too. So I think I ran one race um, in what would it be eighteen months mm. in this campaign. So uh, pretty crazy to think how much we all love running and how many times we get to meet each other at these races. And to think one race in <laughs> yeah. in all that time is just to be bonkers. But yeah. yeah. So what do you do? You just got to keep um, yeah setting goals and hoping that eventually they'll all come off. And uh, that's sort of how we tackled tackled each campaign how did you navigate that like in terms of I mean I know just myself it's hard to set these goals and then have them swept away from you underneath you and then refocus to set another goal and like how did you continually navigate that process of just things being taken out because I guess for you for an Olympic campaign the racing component is important as well to season you you ready for the olympics like and you didn't get that experience of racing um before the games like how did how did that play out in you navigating that time yeah i think that was probably the hardest part for this race for the for the olympics um i certainly on the start line i did feel very much a fish out of water uh not having been able to really race anyone and so yeah, that that played a huge part. Uh, it certainly felt strange to be running a race when we had been able to do not much at all. Mm. Um, I guess that I, I only had one race, and that was pretty um, like a great opportunity. But it was like running with my friends um, that day. So I ended up um, running a fast time, but it, I didn't have that pressure of you know trying to qualify or you know trying to run a PB as even though I, I ran a PB, but I didn't have that pressure on myself to actually run one on the day. It was kind of like, let's go and do this 10 K cause it's the only thing that's available to us. And it's a fun way to catch up with friends and run with friends. So um, yeah, not quite that competitive environment that we need in order to prep and be ready for running against the best in the world. So yeah, that certainly was lacking um, in terms of constantly reframing the goals and, and that was um, probably the hardest run race I missed was, um, yeah, not running the trial. Um, we put a lot into getting ready for that and, um, and then, yeah, for that to kind of not really be what it was meant to be kind of threw us a fair bit. Um, I ended up then getting RSV. Um, the whole family got RSV, so we were quite sick with that as well in the end. So I think, um, you know, just... Uh, you, you, as we know, the, the nervous system and the anxiety of all these 
things related to COVID and mm. and the stress related to combining all the parts of your life that you've got to pull together at the same time and still try and be at the top of your game um, to race and perform, um, you know, that's not an easy feat. And um, so the body's immune system kind of took a toll as well um, at that point. So, yeah, it's uh, been disappointing not to be able to, to really, um, you know, get out there and, and really sort of push through and run a lot more races. But hopefully we can do some track work later in the year um, more chance, I guess, of some of those smaller track races going ahead and getting some more race experience because we still have some goals for next year. And Lisa, when did you find out you'd qualified? So how did, when did you know in amongst all of this craziness that you were you had your, your spot and you didn't have to sort of navigate the qualification um, criteria anymore? I think it was about May that we found out. So it's, a, yeah, quite a long yeah, quite a long wait, I think, from when we all qualified, I guess, in 2019. Um, so we didn't find out till May and then we were kind of, oh, okay, we can actually plan and we can actually book some flights and work out what where we're preparing and, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's an interesting... Is that your doorbell? It is. Your doorbell. Just that three. might be lunch at 3.15. Oh, do you want to grab <laughs> Give it? Give me a second. Get it. Go get it. We want to see what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Hang on. Where's my mask? Like? <laughs> I saw Anna's face. Like, I'm like, is that your lunch? I was like, whose bell was that? <laughs> I knew it wasn't my doorbell, so I'm like, You're not my doorbell. Lisa to miss out on her lunch. No. <laughs> she gets the one opportunity to eat in this hotel quarantine. <laughs> Let's All right. Let's it for her. All right, you ready, girls? Show us what it is. Oh, Show us what it is. Show us Oh, an apple. <laughs> <laughs> lunch is arrived. <laughs> Lunch at three o'clock. Whoa, what's going to be in here? Oh, please be a, be a burger. burger. I hope so. <laughs> yep, it's a burger. They oh knew. It really is a burger. Oh my gosh, didn't you want a burger? I saw on one of your posts you wanted a burger. <laughs> there we go. Got a burger. I was in the hotels looking at Lisa's Instagram and going, <laughs> he needs a burger. The girl needs a burger. When a marathon runner needs a burger, get the girl a burger. Amazing, <laughs> hey? You want to have a bite of it? before we keep going <laughs> maybe that's what happens when um yeah when you forget your when they forget you for lunch maybe you get a burger <laughs> maybe they should forget me more often i reckon um that that or they're worried you're going to trash their room if you don't get fed soon so they're like get us some food <laughs> you're like one of those rock stars that break everything <laughs> definitely sounds like me of course anna <laughs> <laughs> all right um well, I wanted to ask about that um, uncertainty, I guess, around the Olympics and qualification and all of that stuff because it, the experience was so different to a normal Olympic campaign where the qualifying period was, I guess, pushed out because we had the Olympics supposed to be in 2020 and then they weren't. And so it gave people an opportunity, an extended opportunity, I guess, to qualify. And did that make it a little bit more challenging for you mentally knowing that I think it made it challenging for everybody because everybody had had a story you know there were people like Sinead Ellie and I who had the times and who had the track record of you know running PBs in recent races so you know we we had proven our fitness but then you had um people like Tara Palm who wanted to have a debut experience and didn't have that chance. You had G 
Jess, who obviously was coming back from pregnancy and wanted to give herself an opportunity to, you know, make history and pop back into running quickly. And so everyone kind of had a story and everyone had a valid, um, you know, chance of being able to compete for Australia. And I guess it was the challenge for all of us was that, you know, we want to see Australian distance running and women from in particular, you know, be um at the top of their game and everyone's doing so well. Um, but then we also have our individual goal and we all individually wanted to make the team. So, mm-hmm. and we're all, um, yeah, supportive of, of trying to help each other get there. So it's, it's it made it very tricky. Um, I know there's often things out there where, you know, you've got people talking about rivalries and things like that. But I think in the main, everyone just wants um, Australian women's distance running to be at the top of its game. And, and so, um, yeah, it was hard having a situation where depending on which state was in lockdown, you may not get an opportunity to go to the Olympics because you didn't know if you'd have a chance to qualify or or you've got to come up with, you know, thousands of dollars to um, pay for a trip overseas and not sure whether you'd make it back, you know, healthy. So, yeah, so it certainly made it very difficult for everybody, I think, involved. And, um, yeah, I think it was quite a relief in the end to... Uh, finally get that phone call to say we were you know we were selected uh but i guess also even then it was sort of like is this really going to go ahead <laughs> you know like exactly. so many races you'd prepared for that didn't ever you know that you thought were going to go ahead that didn't happen and so i was like is it really going to happen yeah. <laughs> i'm really going to go i know yeah. like could you actually get like did you actually allow yourself to get excited not really. I think also, but that's for a lot of different reasons. One, I knew I had to leave Pete and Locke and that wasn't something I was overly excited about. Um, you know, I'd, I'd, I would pre- was preparing for this Games and it was meant to be a completely different experience um, and having the family all there. Um, so my nephew and mum and dad and everyone, were, they haven't seen me run an Olympics before. So that was sort of what we were planning on um so that that was difficult um i think that also was very difficult for me to get excited about running another hot weather marathon i think there's some friends who had said to me didn't you tell me after rio you were never running another hot weather marathon again (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so and i knew what that does to the nervous system and all the other systems um and so i was a little i was quite nervous about putting myself through that again um yeah so and then to find that it was going to be the hottest one ever um that certainly was a bit stressful so um yeah so i guess for those reasons um yeah it wasn't as exciting as what say london was when you had you know a different environment and certainly better conditions and when it when the marathon changed from tokyo to sapporo and and you had to get your head around sort of a change in city and not being in the athletes village like was that quite a different experience because you were separated from essentially the rest of the olympic village and all the other events yeah yeah it was it was um i guess depending on whether you're an extrovert or an introvert it had its pros and cons being in sapporo i think the the con really was um it was quite lonely so um thankfully to have lots of friends to call and and message and things like that was helpful um but it was yeah it was a super lonely environment to be in Sapporo uh confined to your room and um 
and sort of, yeah, not part of that Olympic atmosphere. So I think that was definitely the hardest thing for me. I didn't feel like I had, um, you know, a real team environment for me to, you know, feed off and get excited about. So that's where there was a bit of lack of excitement, whereas the teams that I've been part of in the past, we've all been together kind of really, you know, in the village, enjoying each other's company and kind of, yeah, a, a definitely a different atmosphere from that perspective. Because it was, it was just the walkers and the marathon runners that were in Sapporo, wasn't it? Yeah, and it didn't have that athlete uh, Olympic vibe, I guess. You know, there was no... The AOC did an amazing job of, you know, providing us with things to put in our rooms so that we could try and uplift our rooms and things like that. So, yeah, they've been, and even in hotel quarantine, the AOC has been fabulous um, checking on us and um, giving us things, uh, seminars and um, Pilates and all these things that we can do to keep our minds active. But, yeah, it certainly didn't feel like an Olympics for anyone. So, uh, yeah, and even when we got to the village on the last day, uh, you know, things were packing up and um, it was nice to have a beer with a few of the guys from the track team that we hadn't seen So and be reunited with Dick and see Jai and, you know, that that my team, you know, be able to see those guys. But it certainly, yeah, it was a bit late at that time, to, <laughs> really. Um, but that's, you know, that's how it was and can't you have to just kind of roll with it and be flexible and, and do your best in that environment. Because, I mean, this was your fourth Olympics. So when you compare it to, let's talk about that whole experience now, not just the race itself, but when you compare this Olympic Games to the others that you've been part of, like how different was it? Like did it feel like you were actually going to the Olympics this time? It didn't feel like that at all. Um, <laughs> it's totally mm. strange. Probably felt more like doing a, not so much a world major, but like a race somewhere. Um, you know, somewhere overseas. Uh, probably more like a world road running race, you know, with because it was a smaller group, you know, like a half, uh, that sort of feeling. Mm. Uh, the other, I mean, London Olympics was just amazing. We had, I think also just from my own personal experience in London, having my team with me, having Dick around, having Locke there all the way through on race day, um, being able to then afterwards go and celebrate with our friends from America and our friends from Australia and our friends from the UK all in one pub together in this one moment. Mm. Um, that's the Olympic spirit and the, you know, the whole, you know, that to me was the Olympic experience. Um, Rio was pretty difficult as well, um, largely because I got sick and also once again, we couldn't have any family really around. It was too hard logistically. Um, so they didn't pop over for that one either. Uh, so, yeah, so that, unfortunately these last two have been um, not really the greatest experiences, but I certainly am grateful for the opportunity to, you know, to experience it and to be part of the team. Yeah, such a shame for those athletes where this might be their one and only Olympics to never had that. It was lovely, though, I mean, um, seeing that the people of Sapporo could come out on the streets to support you. There was something that was, uh, at least you have someone out on the street did you feel sort of because it was a lap course could you feel that spirit from from the the Japanese people uh, a little bit yeah it, in in certain pockets so probably more so they were around the start finish area um, uh, I think the nicest part was going through that university that was pretty really pretty environment unfortunately that's where a, a couple of participants um, collapsed and 
didn't get up. So the only part of that is that I've got a few of those images that I don't really want to remember. But um, yeah, it's it, it was a lovely place. And I said afterwards, if this was a cool climate, if this race had been in cooler conditions, it would have been such an awesome marathon to be part of. Um, the course was great. Uh, it was all set up really well. Uh, yeah, the roads are great and the scenery was good. So uh, yeah, it would be nice to have ran that in a cooler environment and would have been a, a much better experience. How did you prepare yourself, like, knowing that it was going to be quite a hot marathon? Obviously, you didn't know it was going to be that hot at the time, but knowing that it was going to be a hot weather marathon, how did you prepare yourself for that at home, given you live in Victoria, let's not forget, uh, mm -hmm. which isn't the hottest of places? Um, obviously, you did go up to Cairns, but it wasn't a long time. So how did you prepare your body for this marathon? Yeah, we did um, some work in the gym at home on the treadmill and on the elliptical and that sort of kicked off the campaign. But once again, we were preparing sort of a 25-degree day, not a 30-degree day. And um, so we put the uh, some humidifiers in the gym and sort of up, cranked up the humidity and the temp to sort of that mid-20s range. Um, and then when we got up to... Uh, we spent probably three weeks in northern New South Wales slash Gold Coast and, um, you know, beautiful weather, but that wasn't the temperatures of Sapporo either. Still wasn't quite that warm. It was perfect training and we loved running, um, you know, in both of those locations. That was probably the most fun part of the trip, um, certainly being on the Gold Coast with Michael Shelley and Locke doing, you know, runs together. But, yeah, not quite hot enough. Um, and then Cairns. Um, it's a balance because you don't want to run in the hottest part of the day all the time because then you just, you know, really drain Taking yourself, but you also needed to adjust. So um, we just had to try to do some sessions in the warmer climate and some and some in the cool, you know, a bit earlier in the day so you could get it all done. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so uh, it would have been, like I said, had it been the original sort of average temp of Sapporo, I think it would have been really... Uh, I probably would have been more positive and about the whole experience, but yeah, given we got the the worst of it, um, yeah, making decisions about what pace to go out in at the start was quite difficult. Um, just also because I know what how it's left my body in the past in even cooler conditions on the Gold Coast and um, Berlin and mm. Rio and yeah, lots I can list them all. <laughs> <laughs> And it just, it, like, even in preparing, like, the night before you, I mean, you got up at crazy o'clock. Um, tell us a bit about that. Like, what, like, what, how, the food, like, even the food wouldn't have been the same. Like, how did you, like, um, you know, prepare prepare for the actual race and, and what time did you wake up? Because it would have been, that, that whole experience would have been a little bit surreal in itself. Yeah, we didn't find out um, it was going to be changed until dinner time the night before which was kind of crazy um and then so then from there we you know you have your routines but then that was kind of changed and then so by the time we finished mixing up our drinks and getting organized for the morning we it was pretty late uh and then we had to get up at quarter to two so yeah so that certainly um was a bit a bit crazy but uh but you know what it was kind of how everything has been like a bit of a theme i guess uh with covid in general because you've just had to continually be flexible and prepared for anything and just go with it um yeah. i feel like that would have, would have been the motto of the whole experience just go with it 
because you're, you're really if you wanted to do it you just had to go with it and do your best yeah hi girls we interrupt this podcast episode to bring you a great deal from our partner lava tribe girls activewear lava tribe girls activewear is for the tween and teen runners gymnasts dancers boxers skaters riders scooteristas yogis and every girl who loves to move Use code SHIPFREERMA for free Australia-wide shipping on their range of crops, shorts, leggings and more. Visit lavatribe.com.au So on the day, let's talk about the marathon itself now. So on the day, obviously, they brought it forward because of the heat. What were you feeling when you lined up? I mean, do you ever let the emotions get like big inside of you before a race or like how were you feeling about this particular one compared to others knowing especially that it was going to be so hot probably would this be the hottest marathon you've run yeah yeah this is the hottest i guess it's just there was a bit of fear really more than anything about um about the conditions so making the right decision as to how fast to go out in the first lap um knowing that you know how hot it was going to be I think that that was probably the main thing I wasn't really excited or too emotional about it I was just more a case of well how much of a risk do you take with this race because I know my fitness is there um based on all the training I've done I've been training really well um but it's like how much do you risk your you know not finishing or how and how much do you risk your health to uh for this race so that was really probably the main thing that was going on in my mind um yeah so i i'm happy with the fact that i was able to just run very consistently across the whole race um so wasn't necessarily anything a result that was like you know hit it out of the park like london but um it was an experience where i at least didn't you know sort of finish off like death if that makes sense so um yeah so i executed it well from that perspective would have liked to obviously have finished in the top 20 um and even just edged into uh, you know a better position than london but you know in the end you make a decision and once you've made the call on what pace to go out in you're kind of stuck with it so um, you know you just got to make the most of it from then on in yeah so yeah different very different experience i guess this one but i guess that's marathons you know you've got to make decisions on the fly and sometimes they work out and they they'll you know meet all of your expectations but many times they, you know, they don't quite meet your expectations and that's the beauty of chasing the goal mm. and continually chasing the goal. That's so true about the marathon. And it's interesting hearing you say that from an elite perspective because uh, obviously as a recreational runner, um, I've, I've often thought that, um, you know, one, one in ten marathons really come together and for me, it's kind of luck. Like uh, there's little about it that is um, planned. Um, you can do all the training that you like, but on the day, depending on the weather and the conditions, and there's so much about that that's potluck. But I kind of think that that's what appeals to me about that long, those long distance races is that um, it's a constantly this challenge. So it's really interesting that you, for you, because um, I always thought, oh, well, with elites, it's never luck. It's never, you know, they've got it all planned. Um, so it's interesting that there is an element of, of, for, of marathons that for everyone, no matter at what stage you're at in your running career, that 
you can't control and you just got to go right. and sometimes it all falls into place and sometimes it all falls into place. So, yeah, I'm like I can still remember Chicago. Yeah, I was running along going, oh, my God, I feel amazing. I'm so fit and I'm running along going, this is great. And then, yeah, like 7K later, I'm vomiting down the street, you know, like <laughs> so you just don't know what's going what's gonna to happen. Really, you really you know? don't. And, and, yeah. and that's such a nice message for everyone in our community because, I think um, we all think that that's just, you know, recreation, recreational runners, but that's everyone. And that's, that's everyone. Yeah. 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 One of the questions that one of the RMAs asked um, when I've, and we'll go through some of them, but I put through um, a post asking if anyone had any questions. And one of them was that you and Ellie were running together for quite a while at the beginning. And they wanted to know, was that kind of planned at all? Or did it just happen that you were sort of using each other or, you know, no, it wasn't planned at all. Um, yeah, we didn't train together um, uh, on camp. We didn't train. We don't live near each other in Melbourne. Um, so, yeah, we just kind of was how it, how it worked out and um, we just found ourselves in a situation where we were just together and we, you know, said some brief things to each other to support each other at the time and, yeah, so it was nice to to uh, find ourselves in that position where we were able to be, you know, in a few photos together. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was just nice to watch too, like just to see that you guys were together a lot at the beginning because even though we couldn't obviously hear your exchanges and things like that, it just, you could almost sense that you were helping each other along the way there um, at the beginning of the race. And, yeah, I mean, what does that do to you as a runner in a marathon to be able to use each other to help with your performance? It's definitely better um, to have people around you and be able to work together as a team. Mm. Uh, that certainly helps with, um, you know, just focusing on other things and not thinking about your own, you know, if you're feeling a bit like it's a struggle, you've got other people around you to sort of, you know, bit of camaraderie to get there together. I think there was a couple of other girls as well. Um, there's a photo of Ellie and I and, and one other girl, um, and she was so excited and so excited after the race as well. I chatted to her a fair bit at the hotel, you know, and so it's not just the Australians, I guess. It's been, I think, it, it's a bit wider than that uh, at times. And, um, you know, got one of the German friends also, her, um, who I met in Osaka when we when we ran our qualification races, she finished just near, just near me as well. And so, yeah, so you make friends that are sort of wider than your own country and, you know, sort of around each other in the race as well, which is nice, it, um, especially in the environment that we're in where we were all so isolated. I mean, it's not like we were able to just go down to the cafe and have a coffee with anyone. Um, that made for a, quite a difficult games you know that that's what humans like to do go and see each other and catch meet friends that you haven't seen or that are in other parts of the world and the olympics brings you together in the dining hall or the outdoor area for eating and things like that um but this games we weren't able to do that so because everyone obviously we didn't want to be a close contact of another and we all want to get home particularly i wanted to get home to my babies so yeah. um yeah so you sort of just kept kept to yourself and did your thing uh, to make sure you could get home safely. I mean, I, going back to that sort of team camaraderie, I, the Kenyans always do it so well. 
um, and you can see it in the race. Um, they just do such a wonderful job supporting each other and passing each other ice. And and I, I think there's a lot to learn and a lot to gain from that. Yeah, yeah. It's um, I think there was a fair bit of that going on across the race as well. Um, but it but our race really stretched out pretty pretty early. So um, a lot of us really found ourselves in our own little zone um, and grabbing water and ice and everything every 3K. So, yeah, th at least there was certainly plenty of that opportunity to to keep cool with all of the stuff provided on the course. Mm, it, it was interesting to watch. I didn't notice it as much in the female marathon, but in the male marathon, uh, just getting to the water seemed mm -hmm. to be a tricky process, <laughs> like just to get across to the table. Did you yeah. have times during the race that you found that really difficult? Uh, no, I found that I was pretty much in my own space for most of the race, so just doing my own thing. So it wasn't difficult for me, but I have had situations in the past where people have picked up my water bottle and thrown it on the ground or thrown a water bottle at me, um, knocked all the drinks off the table. So it's not an unusual um, I know it surprised a few people in the men's race to see that footage go through, but, um, yeah, that does happen. Um, human behaviour is interesting in a competitive environment, yeah. let's say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty crazy. And, Lise, after the day, the, the next morning, I mean, I, I was speaking to you and you're like, oh, I'm getting up to do the men's race now. And I was like, you're nuts. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, you woke up again at sort of 2 a.m. And, and you were down there for the men's race. Um, tell us tell us a bit about that and why and how and how you ended up in, you know, there yeah. the next morning. Yeah, there, was, uh, there were extra drink stations. So we needed enough people to be able to help across all the drink stations. Um, so if we hadn't have jumped out and helped the boys, they would have had no one at their drink station. So, um, yeah, so that was a no-brainer. I mean, of course, we would help them. So, we, um, yeah, we were all up again the next day. And, yeah, it was um, an interesting few days. But we also had our nutritionists and, and the walkers coaches and they were out helping every day too. So they had it even tougher because they had to get up for the walking races early for Ridian's race the day before. So they were doing those early mornings, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. So we really couldn't complain. The marathon boys got it the easiest because they only had to get up once. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, I know how bad I feel after a marathon. Just the thought of you guys after running in that heat, getting up. Well, I couldn't run to the finish line. It was pretty funny, and I was with um, a couple of the walkers, with Jemima, and I was, and um, I was with Brent, one of the coaches, and I was laughing about how maybe I need to take up the walks because I couldn't actually run to the finish line to see the end of the race. I was like madly trying to paddle. <laughs> I tried to run. And I was like, oh, no, I can't do it. <laughs> so we were having a laugh about that, but I think I'll stick to running. <laughs> My legs are ready to run again now. Ah. Seeing all the beautiful people running out in the, by the river and going, oh. <laughs> I know. Well, that's an interesting question I actually just thought in my head is um, what keeps you wanting to line up and run the marathon? Well, I still have trained really well, a lot better than I've raced in probably the last couple of marathons. So, um, so with Chicago was the huge disappointment, um, getting sick because that was sort of meant to be the pinnacle race. Um, the Osaka women's was great because I negative split so well, um, but I didn't really have a pace group. Um, so I would have had to, to run a PB there. I would have had to go out on my own. So we ran out 
the second pace group was really slow compared to um which was like almost 74 minutes through halfway compared to the first pace group which was like 69 minutes so there was nothing really in between mm. um but because i negative split so well i knew that the training was there and the fitness was there um and then from there you know when the marathon trial was first announced and they were discussing it being quite a fast course. I thought, well, maybe that's my, I know it's not as glamorous as Chicago, but maybe that's the chance to run this time that I'd been um, working towards for so long. Mm -hmm. So I've still got that goal there. Um, you know, whether it happens or whether time runs out or COVID gets in the way, who knows? Uh, but that's the reason to keep going. Uh, my 10K fitness has been really um, in the lead up to this race, has been out of this world compared to what I've done in the past. So, um, you know, that also gives you great confidence. And so I would like to try and do Azotopec and, you know, that sort of stuff um, as well. So I'll keep going down that path. And if I find that training leads me to a situation where I'm not improving, then that's when I'll just naturally not, um, I'll keep running for enjoyment, but I'll just won't enter races. Mm -hmm. So yeah, never retire. You'll never hear an announcement of retirement because we're always going to be runners. What did you say when well, we're, Anna, 90-something, I think. Yeah, we'll be that shuffling along at 98. 98, that's it. So we'll see we out there at 98. <laughs> well, you're a runner. Once a runner, you're always a runner, right? And you just right. will evolve. So as you know, Lisa, I'm just waiting for you to come to the dark side and become that's a trail right. runner. <laughs> Only the short trails, not the long trails. <laughs> Any trail will do. It doesn't matter. I believe that uh, I believe Cole was uh, saying that she'd retired from long trails about 24 hours ago. That's, <laughs> That's right. right. Short so trails. Let me do short trails from here on in. That's, That's right. That's <laughs> I will never retire from running. Never. <laughs> well, before we go on with um, some of the questions we have for you, I thought I might just read a few questions that some of the girls in RMA had. This one's interesting. I'd like to know this. What was your favourite item from the team kit? Oh, yes. My favourite item from the team kit. Hmm. Good question. I would have to say the jockey underwear. Oh. It's really comfortable. Okay. Yeah. Is it green and gold? What, what colour? No. Oh, yeah. There's some of it. Yeah. The, the briefs are green. Um but the crops are really comfortable. There's no wire in them and they're just, um, they're really supportive, but, you know, you can just wear them all day and not feel like they're, you know, your um, shoulders get sore and achy when you wear a crop top all day, whereas these are, yeah, supportive but really comfortable to wear around. Oh, great. Okay. How did you get to the race? In a bus. And what was it like? <laughs> what was it? No, hang on. I'll read it again. On the morning, what was the atmosphere behind the scenes like? Quiet. It was like very early in the morning. Mm. Not, no one was really talking. Mm. It was, yeah, super quiet. And, mm. yeah, uh, we did some pre-cooling. And so we had the girls got in an ice bath and I used ice towels. And so we were all just sitting there shivering with our ice towels and ice baths for yeah. about 40 minutes and wow. had our slushies in the cool room to keep the body temperature down and but yeah it was just probably the the first thing that comes to mind it was just quiet and yeah there wasn't a lot 
of noise going on <laughs> or rowdiness that's for sure at that time in the morning interesting what about um someone else would like to know what went right for you during the race and what didn't go so well um what went right for me was that i ran the race um evenly and wasn't under distress mm -hmm. um you know, that some of the other competitors were in. What went wrong is probably two things. Um, uh, the day before I got my period, so that wasn't great. Um, that didn't help. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, what, what that's all like girls. Uh, so that wasn't fun. And the other thing that didn't go right is really, I wouldn't say it didn't go right. It's just that probably if I was to change things, I'd probably run a couple of seconds per K faster in that first 10K. Um, just to put me in a little bit further forward yeah. and then continue on at that same kind of cadence after that. So, yeah, so that's really the only thing I'd change. Okay. Let me just see. What was your sleep like the night before? Terrible. I don't recall sleeping. <laughs> I recall lying down, but I don't recall actually sleeping. <laughs> um, how many COVID tests have you had to have? This is just me asking this one. <laughs> Yeah, you, maybe um, from when you arrived in Tokyo to when you left, how many do you think you might have had? Yeah, so we started the COVID test back in Cannes, so probably about six, and then every day we had a saliva test. So they're all right, you just spit in a tube. Mm -hmm. So they're not too bad. You just had to remember to do it before you ate anything. Yeah, okay. Um, there was one here I really liked, just trying to find it again. Here we go. What was the most important thing to you about the whole Olympic experience this time around? And what's the story that plays in your head when you think about the Tokyo Marathon? Uh, I think the most amazing part of it is that it provided hope to everybody that we can actually survive and live through this virus and still do things and reach our goals. So that's probably the, the biggest thing that we made it. Um, yeah. You know, there's so much doubt and stress and anxiety associated with it. Um, and obviously as a parent, you know, leaving your son and going into that environment and, you know, having that little percentage thought there that you might not come home healthy, um, you know, that, that plays a part in, in how you're feeling But um, throughout that time. So to be able to get through that and come home and, and be almost you know, home with him is, is the positive. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the second question thought of what, what I think about as a result of that. Um, uh, probably the biggest thought is I'm not running any more hot weather marathons. So <laughs> uh, only cold ones. But that's what you said last time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, you've heard it here. I am definitely not. <laughs> yeah, I've said it many times. record too. on a podcast. So there's no yeah. going back from this, Lisa. That's right. So yeah, Com Games should be a much better experience if that comes to fruition. If um if I have an opportunity to qualify, but I'll leave the hot ones for um for the next generation. There are yeah. <laughs> so does that mean that you are not going to be wanting to try for Paris? Probably not. <laughs> that was another question. <laughs> not unless all of a sudden we have some climate change. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. That's right. So given you've been through a lot of Olympic campaigns and other world major camp other major campaigns, lots of marathons, lots of races in your career, and we've seen you come so far, 
I just wanted to know whether you ever feel that weight on you. So how do you manage that pressure? I guess uh, the external pressure from maybe that you feel from people um, and then that intrinsic pressure from yourself, I guess. How do you manage those things and how do you think you'll manage that moving forward from this now? Yeah, I think I'm at a different stage in my career where I spent sort of many years um, constantly trying to prove that I belonged at this level, Um, you know, constantly being told that you're not good enough. I think we touched on that last podcast. But um, so I spent a lot of time like feeling like I had to continually prove myself. Uh, But this time around, I don't have that feeling anymore. Um, I feel like I've proven, you know, that uh, I belong in this environment and and can represent my country well and have delivered results that have been, you know, solid performances throughout that journey. So I don't feel like um, I'm letting anyone down um, if it doesn't quite go the way it should Mm -hmm. anymore. Um, But I certainly did feel that way in Rio and uh, when, you know, things got taken out of my hands a bit there. And so that was hard. I probably really struggled more so with the Rio experience. But since that Rio experience, coming back and running better after that and, you know, and continuing on and running well at Com Games and, you know, all those things, um, I guess you realise when you look at the full picture and that whole journey um, that sometimes things just aren't going to work out. Um, along the way and it's how you then bounce back and give it another go and and see what you can do the next time that's important so I think you learn that but you only learn that through the whole journey so you know the ups and downs of the journey and then you realize that it's like well as long as you do your best with what you've got yeah you might not be 100% happy with the outcome um, but you know that it's all part of the the whole story and and, you know, and that's why you just keep setting new goals and moving on to that next opportunity, whether that's in the same realm of your life or whether it's a new thing that you want to take on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it doesn't always have to be, your goals don't always have to be about the same thing, about running. We can still achieve and, and um, set goals and move on to different things that, and still keep that same group of friends and same, you know, people that love you, whether you run or not or whether it's, your time to put into something else in your life. So I think that's sort of where I'm at now, that everything, I feel like I've achieved everything. Um, Yeah, I'd like to run a little bit faster, but, you know, in the marathon, but like, hey, who doesn't, you know, like, you know, that goal's still there and while I can do it, I'll keep trying. Um, But I think, you know, I'm really lucky. I've got a great family and great husband and um, cute little boy that can't wait for hugs when I get home. And so, yeah, it's, it's a good place to be right now and, putting extra pressure on yourself unnecessarily is not really going to help you achieve the goal. Mm, I love that. What a great answer. Mm. It's really, it's really beautiful um, to get to that point where you're, you know, um, your running doesn't define who you are um, and it's separated out. It's what you love doing and it's something you do, but it's not who you are and you're not going to get um, value as a human being because you do this thing. Yeah, that's absolutely in a nutshell. Yeah. You know, we've all got to set goals and they may not be um, always to do with the same thing. And, you know, you get a bit, uh, I guess, tunnel vision on some things. But when you step back and look at the big picture, um, you know, you can have different things in your life that you want to achieve. Um, and, it, and that could just be supporting someone else to achieve something amazing, um, you know. So 
you know, my nephew started running as well and we've been helping him, Locke and I, and, you know, at some point we'll just hand the baton over and I'll keep running until I can't, I can't help him anymore. And so, yeah, so that's the beauty of it all. But that's how dad looked after me and with my running and then he handed over to me and then I can hand it over to the boys and yeah. So, and they can use that for whatever sport they choose. And that's what, you know, that's what it's all about really. And I love that because, you know, running is just one small part of who you are. It's, it's not everything. And there's so many beautiful qualities about you, Lisa, as we've discovered just through our friendship, like, you know, there's so many different facets to a person and, and just because you're amazing at running and you've you've achieved so much in your career and your running career that's just a small part of who you are but you have so many other amazing qualities that we've all been so lucky to have shared in i mean you've, you're a great friend you're an amazing businesswoman you're a great leader like just what you said now has probably given people a lot of hope like just about themselves you know that one performance even doesn't define who you are, you know. So, I mean, I think what too, I really loved what you said about the Olympics before, um, that it gave everybody a little bit of hope. And I really loved watching, and I heard this from quite a few people, I loved watching the Olympics this year because we've been surrounded by, I guess, a bit of a cloud of mm -hmm. despair and it gave everybody something to look forward to. It gave us all hope. And the Olympics is just that. It's about bringing people together. And it's, you know, about uniting with people all around the world. And even though it was different, this experience for you as an athlete, it still felt like there was that unity from us watching on that, you know, that people, I guess, still had that connection that people still could believe in themselves and and do amazing things given the circumstances that we've all been living in. So I think it was amazing that the Olympics went ahead. I'm so thankful that it got to happen, even though it was a little bit different for you guys this time around. Yeah, I think that that's the main thing and that's the sentiment everybody has. And, you know, to look back on it in years to come and, you know, what what it, whatever we've gone through, you know, after this is... You know we're we're set we're resilient and flexible and yeah we know it's getting frustrating and mm. every day we we want to switch the news throw something at the television because we don't want to see any more news but um yeah hopefully this will allow all the leaders around the world to sort of try and come together and work out exactly how we're going to operate um in this environment and try to you know bring the world back together again yeah mm. So let's talk about what it's going to look like for you when you get back. Tell us what you're looking forward to most when you get back home to Victoria. Well, the obvious, Nick, will be hugs and kisses and smothering Pete pretty much. Mm. As, you know, a smothering mother, I don't think I'll... Well, he's still in lockdown and we'll be homeschooling, so I guess I'll be going back to homeschooling, but at least I'll get to be with him like 24 hours a day. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's... And, yeah, just to be with my family. They've done such an amazing job um looking after pete and homeschooling and my dad's my dad made a didgeridoo with him for school for art and you know just um mum's been teaching him every day and so just to thank those guys and really um yeah help them with their next big thing and um that's what i'm looking forward to most of all yeah yeah 
That'll be so good. Well, I bet you can't wait for that that reunion. When's so how many we've got nine more days, is it? In yeah, twenty fourth. We uh we should be able to fly home. So fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. It's been a long time coming, that's for sure. Yeah. How are you gonna survive the next sort of week and a couple of days before you get out? What do you what, what's your plan in this uh one hotel room? Yeah, so we've got I've got work. So the the days of um you know been reasonably busy but i've just kind of introduced myself to work in a slow manner rather than just sitting at the computer like eight hours straight mm -hmm. so with quarantine it's the benefit of having nothing else to do is i can stretch the workout across 12 hours rather than just jamming it into a normal work day uh, so just been doing that to allow the mind and body to be able to handle sitting at the computer so long um and yeah thankfully you girls have gotten me through the weekend because i think the weekend's probably the hardest and you don't have work on so a uh, little harder to get through the weekends i think but at least there's only one left and then yeah and then i'll be packed and sitting on the edge of the bed ready to get out <laughs> you're, you're at the half marathon mark <laughs> yeah, that's right that's right you're at 21.1 that's right. I have to plan another Zoom drinks next weekend. That's right. I'll have to uh, work out. I'm going to fit all this chocolate in my bag. Thanks for <laughs> all my friends. <laughs> take you a weekend to pack that bag with all that exactly. chocolate. <laughs> all right. Well, let's finish the podcast now with the RMA hot lap. As you know, I always do the hot lap at the end. So I've chosen a few questions for this one. So out of all the Olympic games that you've competed in, Tell me, which was your favourite so far? London was my favourite. I ran a PB and I had the opportunity to do it with my husband, Locke, and my coach. So it was, and then all friends around the globe were, came in to watch it. So that's definitely the best experience. Yeah, so glad you had that one. What was the best part of lockdown? Now, I'm not talking about the lockdown now that you're in, like the quarantine. I'm talking about the Melbourne, the Victorian Melbourne lockdown that you've done numerous times. But what was the best part of that? Being able to be at home together as a family all the time. So I know others may not agree with that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it really changed the way we trained. Um, Locke and I were able to train during the day rather than starting training at 6.30 at night and getting home at ridiculous hour. Uh, so that that was the benefit of lockdown and just being able to help Pete with his learning um, and know where he's at. So as much as all his homeschool is difficult, um, I really was able to give him one-on-one -on -one attention. So, um, yeah, that's the benefit. So what was the worst part of lockdown then? Uh, the worst part of lockdown was that Pete, being an only child, hasn't had any interaction with other kids. So he hasn't had that chance to play sport in teams and he hasn't had that chance to make friends uh, in the same way as you do when, you know, when you're all together at school. So that's the bit that's kind of a bit heartbreaking. I think for all the little ones who aren't able to interact and really form friendships and learn how to, um, you know, be part of a team. So hopefully next year they're all together and can start working on those things. Yeah. What was the thing that you loved most about this Olympic campaign? Uh, I think the best part of the Olympic campaign was eventually achieving the fact that, that we had an Olympics. I think um, that it actually came off in the end. I think there was so much doubt about whether it would come off. 
and whether everybody would be safe. And so, yeah, that has certainly given everyone a bit of a spring in their step and uh, that's the best part of the Games. And that's what really it's all about. It's not about gold medals and BBs. It's really was pulled together to be a, a celebration of the world and sport. So, and they pulled that off, which is great. Mm. Yeah, they sure did. Mm. Okay, what's the first thing that you want to do with Pete when you get home? Well, we both love playing Lego together, so I'm pretty sure we'll do a bit of Lego. And he's set up his train set. Um, he set up his train set before we left, which goes all the way down the hallway, down the stairs and into our bedroom. So <laughs> I think that's a message to me, given the end of it is um, right near the end, you know, when I, where I get onto my side of the bed. So I think that means we're playing trains when I get home. <laughs> bumpy ride down the stairs for those passengers oh, no, yeah, yes that's it he's got it all sorted that's where you fall down once you go through the that's the treacherous part of the train <laughs> journey so i want to see a picture of this you're going to, have to yeah. that. <laughs> um my last question to you is really serious question i mean it's the most serious question of the whole podcast is when will you become a trail runner <laughs> Well, as long as there's short ones to sign me up for, I'll join you anytime, Nick. Uh, <laughs> None I'm, of these nine-hour situations. No, 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 I'm done with that. <laughs> I'll hold you to it. Um, next time you're in Sydney, I would absolutely love to take you on some of our yeah. spectacular trails. Awesome. I'm in. Yeah. Short trail run and open borders. I think that's... Uh, <laughs> yes. It's almost <laughs> like uh, someone has to uh, create a miracle out there. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well thank you so much for joining us again lisa on the podcast and thank you anna for jumping in as well it's been such a pleasure to watch this journey again lisa to the olympics and we know that this you know campaign was a tough one to just get to the start line again given everything that we've been going through in our world we're super super proud of you um not only as an rma ambassador for all those mums out there but as our friend, we're really proud of you. No matter what the result would ever be, we would always be proud of you because you give everything of yourself and you give to your community and obviously to your family. And we're just so, so, so proud of the person that you, you are. Thank you. And thanks for looking after me. I feel very lucky. <laughs> All right. I have I'm to going... say, I did feel very lucky that I didn't have to wake up in the middle of the night to watch you run this time. <laughs> I know. Oh, that my was the best. <laughs> It was good. It was I good. just had to get up at the middle of the night to run. <laughs> yeah, that's all. That's okay. As long as you, you know, wear that's okay. Stuff. I didn't have an issue with that. Josh <laughs> did remind me. He said, "Do you remember that time Lisa ran the last Olympics and it was the middle of the night?" <laughs> yes, mate. I do remember. It was the middle of the night. You had the bad dream and you came and we watched the, the marathon. <laughs> I know. Far out. Well, what a great episode that was with RMA Ambassador Lisa Waitman talking about all things Olympic Games. We look forward to following Lisa's journey as she moves past the Olympics and on to even better things. Thank you for sharing in this podcast episode and thank you too to Anna Croger for jumping on with me and interviewing Lisa. I hope everybody is okay wherever you may be. Please head over and listen to some of our episodes that we have recorded in the past 12 months. It's been an absolute pleasure to bring these episodes to you. And I look forward to bringing you an episode in a fortnight's time. Until then, please stay safe and well.